Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, May 13, 2016. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 5, and we are at page 62, the second paragraph. Today's readers are Sally A., Nancy H., and Sharon H. The reference number for Thursday, May 12th, is 8735. That's 8735. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous. Okay, people are unmuted. If everyone could please mute yourself. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Phoebe B. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, this is CDD, Compulsible Reader, calling from Vermont. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you, Phoebe. I will now ask Lisa B. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater in South Carolina. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. 
Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you, Lisa. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book, Chapter 5, on page 62, paragraph 2. I will ask Sally A. to begin reading. She's going to read two paragraphs, and we will focus our comments on the last paragraph on page 62. Good morning. A vision for you with Sally A. in South Jersey. We're on page 62. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves. And the alcohol is an extreme, the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much 
by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter, in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. Freedom. What a phenomenal word to end this page. The very last word on this page, freedom. Isn't that what we all want? To be free of this compulsivity? To be free of being driven by a hundred forms of fear? To be free of being driven by self, me? And it tells us very clearly here on this page, God makes that possible. And it tells us we had to have God's help. How clear can they make it? They go on to give us a number of different ways that we can relate, identify to your own God. The book has many ways of defining God. It, it doesn't tell you you have to believe in one God. It gives you all these perspectives. And here at the bottom of this page, it gives us a number of different perspectives. In fact, in the book, it talks about God being the creator, and it actually speaks of God, a God of love. They say that in so many words. words. And here it tells us God was going to be our director. He's going to be, so you can think of him as the director in a, in a play because, you know, so many times in this book it talks about us being in the drama of life. That's what it says on, um, in the uh, acceptance uh, chapter in the back of the book. It talks about this drama of life. But over and over it talks about uh, this, us being uh, trying to run the show. And here we see God was going to be our director. So there's a perspective on how we can see God. He is the principal. We are his agents. So he's sort of like our boss, and we are about his business. Or he is the father, and we are his children. And this is what they're telling us is the cornerstone, the keystone of the arch that we go, we're going to pass through for our freedom. And, um, you know, there's a, a number of times and places where it gives us the same concept here that we really have to embrace. They're telling us this is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. On page 98, it tells us in the second paragraph, burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well, regardless of anyone, and regardless of me. Yes, regardless of even you, Sally. The only condition is that he trusts in God and clean house. They tell us this again. On the bottom of page 87, it tells us we constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. What are we saying when we say that? But that we are actually pausing, we're pondering, and we are praying, and we are allowing God to take the lead in our life. I've said this once at least before recently, but it's because it's such a new thought to me that for so many years, years ago, I said 
I said out loud that I was going to make God the Lord and my Savior, my Lord and my Savior. But my, I realized only recently that I was willing to let God be my Savior, but I never was willing to let God be my Lord, be the leader, take charge of my life. This is a whole new concept, and that's even after years of recovery. And so thanks for letting me share all of that this morning. Have a great day, everyone. Pass. Thank you, Sally A. And who would like to share on this last paragraph? Sally. Nessa R. Kathy Larry. K. Kathy K. Okay. Okay. I have Charles H., Nessa R., Kathy K., Larry K. Anyone else? Vasa O. Vasa O. Nadia B. Someone else? Nadia B. Okay, let's go with those for now. H. Nancy H? Yep. Okay. Okay. That's it. So go ahead, Charles. Then Nessa R. Thank you very much for your service, Charles H. A recovered composer over here just for today. And uh, yeah, I'm going to let everybody rock on it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. That, that's, you know, that that's totally, that's that's obvious for me. Um because, you know, I already know that it didn't work. Because if, if 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 I was God, what would I be doing on this line here? There's nothing else you could tell me. Um, it didn't work. So um, it says this this idea is, is simple. It's pretty simple. Um, this part of the book is, is, is not a, a Burger King have it your way type deal. Um, you know, when sponsees don't call me for the week, I, I, I keep it real with them, and I tell them, you know, I ain't been waiting by the phone for you to call because my sponsor ain't waiting by the phone. I reach out to newcomers, and I reach out to people. that I reach out to recover people, newcomers, because that's how it works. It works when, you know, working with others only work when others work with others, right? So um, I turned my food off, and I was talking to a newcomer. I was talking to somebody last night, and, you know, compared, it wasn't comparing it to Gracie, but I'm like, you know what? Like, we don't really care about what you what you eat. That's on you. Because if I'm in your head, I'm out of my mind. And, uh, you know, if you, you say a fruit, and I, I, didn't, I didn't, you know, if you say a fruit, I'm not going to run you down and see what apple and what, you know, that ain't my job to do that. My job is to guide people through the 12 steps, you know, and, um, and, and, and let them, and describe, like, you know, what it is, how how it works. First of all, you know, I can't have no lurking notions, and I turn my food over every day for accountability. Um, and that's how it works. That's how it works. Uh, I didn't, you know, dig up the first 100 people and, and, and ask them if you don't, you know, I, I, I didn't make nothing up. You know, this, this thing is simple. This concept is simple. It, it's the self-will that that makes it difficult. I could complicate a free lunch, man. I could try to manipulate it, get two, get three. But I remember fighting people in the lunchroom um, for their lunches. It wasn't free because I got a couple of lumps and I gave a couple of lumps. But and and I could identify with getting a couple of lumps in OA, you know, trying to um, do it my way. It it, it doesn't tell me that it, my way don't work. So that's why I do it. You know, I decided to uh, turn turn in the keys, man, because it says something about. Um, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arc through which we passed to freedom. 
it's free when I give it up, man. I just turn it over and give it up. I ain't got to worry about it. And when I, you know, and when I make a decision and not a resolution and go through this thing, this thing works out, man. This thing works out one day at a time, and I'm passing the mic. Thank you, Charles. Um, Nessa R., you're up. Hi, good morning, Vision for you. My name is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in um, Toronto, Canada. So um, here, Bill is referring to step three as the cornerstone of the triumphant arch. And he's using this um, kind of like building analogy for the steps. You know, he calls step one the foundation, step two the cornerstone, step three the keystone. And he's, uh, step four and five are the bricks and mortar. So, like, he's building a house. He's building a structure. And, you know, we want it to have the utmost stability. So the foundation has to be strong. We have to, you know, have um, commitment to entire abstinence, to have a, a strong foundation. Uh, the cornerstone is the belief that uh, God can restore us to sanity. And then there's the, the keystone which is step three, which is making a, de- a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. And in order to do that, you know, we, we have to suffer in God. And I played God in my life and everybody else's life. I knew it was better for my, um, my employer, um, you know, the uh, company for which I work, even better than the chairman and the president and all those people. I knew what's better for my family, for my husband, for my children. I knew what's better or uh, the schools my kids have gone to. I knew what's better for everybody. You know, the problem was that they didn't want it. And not only I didn't want it, my job at running my own life uh, didn't give me the credibility or the track record to run anybody else's life. Um, and I like the analogy of God as director because, you know, I have to remember, I have a script. Uh, of how I want things to go, and in order for me to be able to turn my will and my life over to the care of God in, in steps 4 through 12, um, I need to let go of that, that script. I need to recognize that sometimes, uh, probably most times, God's will for me and for those around me is different than my will for me and, and those around me. And so that cornerstone has to be the, um, firmly in place and the exact size required for, for the proper building of the structure. So I have to have no lurking notion that I can run anybody else's life or even my life. You know, in my morning meditation, I always say, you know, I don't try to manage anything or anyone because I've seen what happens when I try to manage things or people. You know, it backfires, and everybody's miserable, including myself, ironically so, because what I'm doing when I'm trying to manage everything, and everyone is get my own happiness, my own peace of mind, my own even comfort, and what results is the opposite. And now that I have turned my will and my life over to the care of God, which started with that decision in step three, um, my life is so much better. I've gotten... Uh, so many gifts that I would have never gotten, I think, if I had continued on the trajectory of playing God in everybody else's life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa. Kathy Kay, you're up, and then it'll be Larry Kay. 
Thank you, Katie, for your service. Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater in Boston. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. You know, I grew up um, learning to be self-reliant and self-sufficient, and I knew no other way. When I first read this paragraph, it was very, very frightening to me. To let go of the reins meant to me that everything was going to go haywire. I just it was so counter to the way I had lived my life for so many years. But I listened to other people share, and I began to internalize the idea that there's something greater than myself um, who can be uh, my employer, who can be the principal, and I can be his agent. And the more I wrote about this and listened to others share about it, the more willing I became to actually try it. And that's what the third step prayer that we're coming up to soon um, asks us to do, uh, to turn our will and our life over to the care of God. It is the keystone, um, and there is a solid arc to walk through as we begin to practice this new way of life, but I don't want to minimize for a minute that it took me a very long time and a very gradual process of letting go one day at a time by taking step three. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Larry Kay, you're up, and then Vasa O. Thanks, Katie. Uh, this is Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So. Um, the um, you know step three is is where I decide to take the actions necessary to turn my motivations, my thinking, and my actions over to the care of God, as I understand God. And you know as I approach step three, you know I learn that what motivates me drives my thinking, <laughs> and my thinking directs my actions. So it was critical for me to, to go much deeper than just sort of acting my way into right thinking. Um, if my motivations and thinking are God-centered, naturally I'm going to make the right decisions, whether it seems that way at the time or not. And, you know, um, then the actions I take, for example, in my relationships um, will also be right. But if my motivation and thinking is, is, is Larry directed, you know, self, self directed, you know, invariably I'm going to make the wrong decisions. And, and I have a long life history as you perhaps do as well before, you know, I embarked on these steps that prove that even though I didn't realize it at the time, then the actions I take, you know, would probably be off course. And, and so Here's an example of how being centered in, in my higher power rather than, than self-propulsion works for me today. Um, I spent the last uh, three consecutive days with my boss of many years. And, and um, you know, before this transformation, um, I either tolerated her or, or honestly I hated her guts, <laughs> okay? It's just, it's just not like that anymore. And, you know, she hasn't changed that much. But I have. I've changed. You know, I'm, I'm God-dominated today. And the, the question really for me um, 
is can I trust my higher power to orchestrate my life as, as God wishes? Or will I try to make things go according to my will? You know, it's a simple choice for me today. <laughs> Either my will be done or thy will be done. And, and there's no in-between for a guy like me. You know, maybe there's an in-between for someone else. That's cool. But for me, there's no in-between. It's either my way or it's God's way. And, and that's an action for me. It's not just a conceptual thing. Today, um, you know, I ask, I say, God, you know, God, my understanding, help direct my thinking and my actions because, because I know this much. All action is born in thought. So I want God to direct my thinking first, and then my actions are more aligned with God's will. Um, it's made all the difference. There's no in-between for me. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Larry. Vasa O, you're up, and then Nadia B. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Kat, Katie, thank you so much for your service. And I'm grateful recovered compulsive overeater calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And uh, the, making a decision, I, need, I needed to make a decision, and this was really, really tough decision for me to, get, to, to do. Again, do I want to continue going the way I was going, or do I want to trust there's a better way? And uh, I just, I was ready to take that step, you know, step three. And uh, uh, first of all, we had to quit playing God. And that was true for me. And also to let other people play God in my life. That was a big, big thing. I depended on other people. So, again, I just didn't want to die the way I was going. And I'm grateful for the freedom today that I have from the food addiction. And I, I, I'm, I haven't had to go on a, on a diet for many, many, many years. I'm just so grateful for that. And gradually I've been freed from my Fears, you know, hundreds and hundreds of fears that are, that existed in my life, and the resentment, and the selfishness, self-centeredness. I mean, this has been a gradual process as I was I've been going through the steps, the the envy, jealousy, uh, from from the financial insecurity. I'm so grateful. That was big, big fear for me, and I'm I don't ever have to worry or think about money today. Um, and I, you know, the reassurance I kept on hearing, uh, I can recover. I remember hearing, regardless of, of anything or anyone, uh, with, regardless uh, of the support of my husband or, uh, or children or mother or father. And I'm very, very private with my program. I don't share it. I mean, I, my husband knows what I'm doing. My kids do. But I never shared it with my father or my mother. Well, I did with my father. I gave him the big book. He told me he was not an alcoholic, so he gave it back to me. And that was fine, you know. Uh, I Again, people have to diagnose themselves like I diagnosed myself. But this, this has been a gradual process, and I'm still so, so grateful I've been doing this journey with every one of you. Any one of you. Every one of you. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Nadia B., you're up, then Nancy H. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B., grateful, recovered, and free in Connecticut. And, oh, boy, can I relate to this um, paragraph. Um, you know, I was thinking, 
um, that I knew what's best for everyone. And I made sure that they knew my opinion and I, and they knew, you know, what's best for them. And um, did it create drama? Yeah, it did. Um, and, you know, I didn't know how to quit playing God. And, uh, you know, this is step three. And I, I think I had to learn here how to do it. Um, and I, you know, I didn't even know um, that my thinking was, you know, was killing me, really. Um, so I didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, but I also didn't know how to change my thinking. And um, because my thinking's been this way, I didn't know any difference since I can remember since, you know, I was a child. I didn't create this this thinking. Um, so, you know, how was it that I, that that, that was going to change? And, you know, believe me that I tried, I tried to change something. And um, I, I couldn't. Um, so, you know, the only way um, for this change to happen, because I've tried every other way, um, was for me to let my higher power change it because I have no other explanation um, for it. And, um, you know, thank God I uh, recently came back from a trip um, and I spent two weeks with my immediate family. And, you know, I haven't seen my family for almost three and a half years because I was afraid. I was afraid of seeing them because of the mess that I've made, you know, in the past. I, uh, you know, I was afraid of facing them, um, you know, my, um, because of the drama of my thinking and, you know, ruined relationships. Um, but going through the steps, and, and this is the how for me, I let God to be my director in step three and made a commitment that I'll listen to my sponsor and go ahead with the rest of the steps. And as a result, um, you know, my fears have been lifted. And, um, you know, it's free from, from food thoughts, definitely, um, right away. And then, you know, my anxiety and fears left me. And I was able to be there with my family, to be of service. And, oh, boy, did everybody change. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful for this freedom today as a result of just letting God be my director, be a child, learn how to do it through this, you know, beautiful process of the steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nadia. Nancy H., you're up. Good morning. This is Nancy H., a newly recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Can you hear me? We can. Thank you. Okay. Um, on page 60, it tells us that the first requirement, and I'm thinking these two requirements come before I'm ready to t take step three. And the first requirement is that I be convinced that I can't run my life on self-will because it will always be a mess. And I think I'm pretty convinced of that. Um, because all I have to do is look back on my step one and, and see how unmanageable my life was, and that was me in self-control. Um, then now here in this paragraph, I'm seeing that the second requirement is to quit playing God. 
And that means for me that I need to let God be my boss and just show up for duty. That's all my only responsibility is to show up for duty and to surrender to his will. And um, my biggest defect of character has been to control things my way. So letting go is a big project for me, but it's getting a lot better than it used to be. Um, you know, trying to do God's job was heading me straight into relapse. I was in that self-imposed prison, and now I'm asking God now, instead of asking him, you know, what I, or telling him what I should be doing, what I'm doing is asking him how I can be service to him and to others. And that's the, um, that's really becoming clear to me now. Every day in my challenges, I ask myself, am I going to be doing God's will, or am I going to be applying my self-will? And I can see that every time I try to apply my self-will, it's, it's uncomfortable, it's not going well. Um, the minute I say, okay, God, I surrender, things become clear to me, and I start acting like, like I should be acting. So I'm constantly, one of the things I'm fighting is letting go of my self-inflated ego. And I'm constantly trying to let go of selfishness because I realize how much I make everything all about me. And I keep in mind that the only success is going to come from God, the other thing I have to remember is um, I have to remember that I give God the credit for any success that I have, and I don't get cocky and think that I'm doing it by myself. Um, that keystone that they talk about is the new um, keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we pass. To me, the keystone is God and, and letting go and being in God's will instead of my own. So um, I think that before I became ready to take step three, I had to understand this business of having God as my father and, and me being the uh, the child and, you know, being the, having him be the principal and me being the agent. And for me, um, it's kind of a relief to let go of all of that and to just live in God's will. So for today, I'm very grateful that I can do that. And um, each time I do it, I prove to myself that God is where it's at. So I thank you for letting me share, and I, I uh, thank you for service, Katie. Bye-bye. Pass. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Nancy. Who else would like to share on this last paragraph on page sixty-two? Melissa C. Reva P. Sue G. Okay. Okay. I have Melissa C. Reva P. Sue G. Sarah W. And something K. Penny K. Penny K. Alice M. Alice M. Barbara N. Valerie B. Okay. Okay, well, let's go with those. Um, Melissa C., you're up, and then Reva P. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, the, um, uh, can you hear me? Because I'm hearing a lot of feedback. I don't know if the line is clear or not. Yes, I can hear you. And if everyone else could please press star six to mute yourself. Hi. Okay. Star um, one. Star one. Right. <laughs> it's Melissa C. compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, when what strikes me this morning is when I'm um, ready and willing and open to identify in, this book uh, is just like speaks my language. It's all the metaphors apply to me. 
you know, all the language applies to me. But, boy, when I was not looking to identify in, um, you know, I was really able to uh, put up that barrier and say this has nothing to do with me. And so this morning, you know, I'm smiling because when I come across the word principle, although it might not mean it in this paragraph, you know, I'm a teacher. And so when I see principle, I think, you know, I think of a principle in my, in my line of work. And, um, you know, when I'm running the show, um, you know, even professionally, it's, um, I'm, think I'm only looking at my principal. I'm only looking at the administration, the lack of parental support, the kids come unprepared, um, the state, you know, and their and their um, dictates now, and and negating my part, you know, and um, that's how I used to live my life. I had an evil eye, you know, incredibly bright and well equipped to see the flaws in everything else and spend so much energy and focus on everything else that was outside my control. And meanwhile, I was ineffective. You know, I needed to be fired from managing my life because um, I wasn't doing a very good job. You know, and now when I look at my life, I'm so grateful. You know, I laugh when I say that I'm grateful for having this disease because I used to hate when people said that, but I mean it. You know, I'm grateful because I have a new way of living. I, you know, I work in a world of crazy and I'm free. You know, go figure. My district is falling apart and I can come to work with a smile every day, free from the bondage of food, free from worrying about the rest of the show. I'm not stupid. I still see what's broken, I just know it's not, not everything is fine to fix. I do my small part. God is the director. He's the principal. I'm the agent. I'm the child. And with that, you know, I, I can live. I can live in freedom and peace. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Reva P., you're up, followed by Sue G. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. I just wanted to say, as I read this paragraph, you know, with the food, I knew, I knew it wasn't working. There was no problem making a decision to move on with the rest of the steps and turn that over to God. So when I create a mess, um, I'm quite willing to say, God, please take this. But how about things that are supposedly positive in life, like wanting to get married or wanting to have children, or wanting things to work out at work. Like, they're good things. You know, what's wrong with that, God? Can't you see? You know, I'm, I'm ready to have this good thing in my life. Uh, why isn't it working out? That's when it's hard to make the decision um, to go on with the rest of the steps, look at my resentments, look at my fears, um, and come to terms with the concept that God knows better. Even though I can't see why would it be so terrible for me to have, I don't know, like a bigger house. What was, what, what's wrong with that? Isn't that a good thing? Um, why not? Um, and I have sponsees who, you know, go on and on about, you know, I, I want this and why isn't it happening for me? Um, and you know what? I don't always know why. Um, and I might not know why in this lifetime, but what this paragraph is showing me 
is it doesn't work. It doesn't work when I try and manipulate and push an effort to get things, even if they're supposedly positive things in life that I see other people out there striving for. Um, it's, it's just 180 degrees different um, where I need to step back and say, this is going to drive me closer to the food. Um, let's get on with the rest of the work. Look at what's underneath this drivenness to get what I want, um, when I want, how I want. Um, and then, you know, as I work through the steps, to have some kind of access to a power um, that I can trust, that even though I don't know, because um, the food is easy, but the other stuff in life, it's not so easy um, to let that go and trust God does know better. Um, I don't have to understand it. I don't have to know. I just have to trust. But I only get to that point going beyond step three. Step three is just the decision. Now let's do the rest of the work, and then I get access to that kind of power and ease and peace. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reba. Sue G, you're up, and then it'll be Sarah W. Good morning, everyone. This is Sue G from Michigan. I'm proud to be from Michigan. Um, recovered for today. Um, you, know, you know where they say he is the father and we are his children. Uh, when I made Jesus Lord, I thought everything was going to turn around. That was the answer. It was not enough just to have him be my Savior. He's got to be my Lord. The thing is, when I think of Father, or when I thought of Father, I thought of my Father's temper. I thought of my, my earthly Father's temper. I thought of my uh, my earthly Father sending me to my room to protect my mother because of her mental illness. But I always knew he loved me. But I still had that in the back of my mind that I didn't always get to have my own say about things. I got sent to my room. I was not allowed to express myself because it upset my mother. Of course, sometimes I was sassing, and for that, I needed to be sent to my room. But, you know, maybe I'm not the only one that, that has, a, has a hard time being a child because when it says, you know, when, when your daddy tells you to leap off the edge of the pool and he says, I'll catch you, you know, for some people, it's a very uncomfortable feeling. Now there, I was comfortable. I knew that, I knew that in step three, if I, or in step seven, when I says take all of me, or step three, when made a decision, that I knew that, that he would catch me. I knew that, that uh, I had to be the child. I had to be trusting. I had to be uh, willing to go to any length to do that trusting. Um, there's a lot of program in, 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 in having God be our father. Also, someone told me, I can't remember part of it, but also someone told me about being, you know, the, um, he's, a, he's a principal and we are his agents. We need life insurance or we need home insurance. We have an agent. We don't do it ourselves, but we have an insurance agent. And um, and so far, you know, I, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, or you could, we can turn around and say he is the principal, 
and we are his students. Um, and that makes a lot of sense to me. So with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Sue. Sarah W., you're up, then Penny K. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. Good to hear you on the line. Good morning. Uh, my name is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader. Um, I love this part of the book. Um, I've been going through a lot lately. Um, many good things and and some sad things, some hard things. And the thing I think to myself is, isn't that what life is about? You see, I always thought that, you know, my my whole drive and my whole goal was to be happy. And um, almost like a euphoria. And what I realized today is that uh, for a higher power to be working in my life, that is not the, the goal. The goal is... Um, how can I be of service um, to others? And I don't know what that looks like. So I think a lot of times in my recovery, I thought, well, um, if these things happen, then really is God working? And I think that's a misnomer. Um, I think the reality is that I don't know the bigger picture. I do have to say in hearing everybody that my thought is that I don't get to feel perfectly at peace all the time, that there are moments where I feel uncomfortable. And um, I have a diagnosis of breast cancer, and I'll probably have surgery the week of the 25th. And it's probably very early and very treatable, so, you know, a mammogram is a very good idea for all of us. But I think the thing that comes into my heart is that... um, I I get to do this program today, and and God walks with me today. And when I stay in today and keep on asking for that good orderly direction and put put the whole picture in my mind, not what I want, what I need, what I think is right, you know, it, it just kind of flows much better. And I, I love the part on page... Um, 53, it's one of my favorites, where it says, we had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. Um, You know, for me, I do this step imperfectly. Uh, I I don't have it perfect. At times I feel very afraid and very alone. And then I just say, you know, God, please help me. Uh, And and I think that's the greatest prayer that I could have because, you know, God wants... You know, the God of my understanding, which is a spiritual being, thing, thing for me, it's not a religious, uh, really um, wants my, wants my um, presence, wants my, um, wants my attention. And relationships take time. And I know for me, we've talked about honesty in the first step. The second step was about hope. And this step that we're walking into now is about commitment, trust, and faith. And that's where I want to be. But that doesn't mean I do it perfectly. And I am human. I'm a human being, and I'm, I'm living life on life's terms, and I'm very grateful for the program, very great, grateful for my abstinence and for my sobriety and for the beautiful program that we get to live. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. and Penny K. You're up, and then Alice M., Hi, good morning, everybody. Um, I'm Penny, 
K. I am in Connecticut. I've had quite a couple, wild couple of days. Um, been in the hospital. I did a really nasty sprain to my back. Um, back home today, so grateful, following directions, doing whatever you know, medications I need to take. But I'm just sitting here, so I'm grateful to have this meeting. Um, you know, it took me a really, really long time to get to the point where I could not only trust a higher power, but then to call that higher power God. Um, because there was so much baggage there um, with what that word meant. But once I got to that point and I could use the word God and understand it in, in the way I could, the, what, what, I, what I love about this paragraph is that I learned I didn't have to run the world. I didn't have to run the show. Um, God, I, I get the concept of God as the director. You know, I suit up, I show up, I do my part. It doesn't mean I sit back and do nothing. I have to learn my lines. I have to do the work that I have to do to prepare. I have to do my daily chores. I have to do all of these different things. But I can focus on those things and then let God handle the outcome. You know, the the, the, the actor in a show, the, you know, the employer the employee rather doesn't have to run the entire company and it doesn't necessarily mean I'm just like a cog in a wheel kind of a thing and you know kind of like this mindless thing going you know going through my day but I have a role to play and I can let my higher power handle the results Um, I may not like the results but I know that God will take care of me it is such a freeing experience. Um, letting go of old ideas that just didn't, that don't work. Letting go of the idea that if only I can control somebody else, you know, everything will be good. Letting go, quite frankly, of the belief that I know what is really in my best interest. But with this God insight, with this God control kind of thing, I eventually get the sense of, oh, yeah, that's what I need to do. This is not what I need to do. It's such a freeing experience for me. Um, And the freedom is remarkable. You know, sitting in a hospital for 48 hours is not the easiest thing to do. It's really, really hard. And what was I doing for most of it? I had one ear plugged into an OA meeting. And one I plugged onto, you know, the things that I had on my cell phone and the books I have and trusting that I'm in the right place, this is where I need to be, I'm going to be okay. That is such a freedom for me. I don't have to run the hospital. Um, I've got a higher power, and the hospital has people that do that. So thank you so much for letting me share this morning, and with that, I pass. Okay, we have four minutes left, and we have Alice M., Barb Ann, and Val B., so... We'll try to get them in, but if not, please stick around for the second hour. Alice M., you're up. Thank you, Katie. This is Alice M., a food addict and bulimic from Florida. And um, there is, for me, um, as a secular, there's a lot of religious language in this, in this paragraph. So for me, what my job is to do is to then make meaning out of it for me. And um. So I see it as, you know, first of all, I had to quit trying to do it alone. 
Well, you know, I did finally give up on that, on that whole idea. You know, I admitted that I alone couldn't help, couldn't heal myself and restore my sanity around the food, around my life. I needed to rely on some source or sources beyond my own personal efforts. And I knew for decades, I knew what that source was, but I wasn't interested in it. Uh, I felt superior to it. I lacked a great deal of humility, still do. I had too much false pride, I guess I could call it, to follow the herd, you know, and I called it to drink the Kool-Aid of 12-step recovery program. Um, You know, I was very prejudiced against it for many reasons um, until my food addiction and eating disorder progressed to a level where the only solution I could think of was to once again attempt to take my life. Um, but I couldn't this time. I, I thank goodness because I had a child this time. Now I had a child. You know, I just I just couldn't get myself to do it. So instead, I finally, you know, in a moment, I became willing to try again this 12-step recovery one more time. You know, but this time I thought, you know, I've got to commit myself to it. I've got to. I've got to get a sponsor. I've got to get a food. I've got to follow a food plan. I've got to immerse myself into this fellowship of people who were where I was at one point, and now they weren't. You know, I had to have this personal transformation. Not a religious conversion, obviously, but, you know, a change in how I, how I viewed myself and my relationship with others. You know, I kept hearing that that was key. And to accomplish this change, I needed to turn to a source of principles for conducting my life that are that were outside of my current thinking. You know, in the AA recovery process, these are considered spiritual principles. So, and there's, you know, people in this fellowship, we draw on a wide variety of, of sources for these principles. Some use organized religion or non-religious beliefs. Uh, some of us, you know, are atheists and agnostics, and we seek and find uh, solid sources of, of spiritual guidance that work for us. Um, and, and I just, you know, I use this big book, and it's, it's difficult at times. And, you know, I know that when it was being developed in the 30s, there was a push um, to make the source of the spiritual principles neutral, to not favor any one source, but, you know, that, that didn't prevail. And so, you know, the big book and the 12 steps were written in great part from the standpoint that that, that faith and its God um, are the sources of spiritual guidance. So this presents a challenge, a challenge for some of us, but, you know, it's just there's just more work to do, um, and now you know some of my sources are these. There's great published sources that help guide and direct people through the 12 steps, you know, in a secular way, and I am so grateful for that. Um, grateful to be here today. Grateful to be abstinent and in this uh, doing this AA way of life today. I pass. Thank you, Barb. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Alice M. and Barb Ann. If you would like to share for a minute, or you can wait till the second hour. Sure, I just have a quick share. This is Barbara Ann, recovered in New York City. Um, I just wanted to uh, make a quick comment about the masculine uh, language in the book because um, maybe it was a pro- it's a problem for someone else like it was for me. But, you know, some of us, um, some of us may follow um, a spiritual path that has a female uh deity or, or, you know, is more female oriented. And some of us may have not had, you know, fathers that were so kind and gentle and loving to us. And it's, it's hard to um, get to a place of trusting, you know, a higher power that we think of that way. So 
I just wanted to quickly say that you know if if you're bristling about that, um, and there's a lot you know there's a lot of male language, and to me from this point on it seems to keep increasing. Just to go back to the concept that um, it's really just important to find your own conception of God, because honestly, um, I I almost turned away from this book a couple of times. For some people, it's the word God. For me, that wasn't it. For me, it was um, you know the masculine language and the concept <clears throat> of God as a father who was going to instruct me, that just didn't sit well with me. But I actually have no problem at all with it now. And I definitely have my own conception of God that is more of, um, you know, an energy that goes through us all, connects us all. And if we tap into is, is the source of power that can help us recover. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second, unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Nancy H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Morning again. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to us and to you. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.